Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. Listening to live from the path. We're coming to you from the Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. It's good to be with you here on this uh, balmy insert day of the week evening. I hope you're. Uh, you never know when someone's going to listen to it. But balmy implies that they're listening to it in the summer. No, we just don't keep the air cool in here. We like to give the place. It could be winter. We just keep it at a crisp like 85. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyway, here's what we're going to go on in the show. Hey, lots of fun stuff on the show tonight. Uh, first of all, we have a, uh, a a legit user submission on Live from the Path. Dear Live from the Path. What was the... Somebody remind me of the question. Um, I have uh, multiple friends who have been burned by the church uh, in the past. How do I uh, go about approaching them to uh, to like come back to church? What's that relationship look like? Mending that. How do I talk to them about church when they've been burned by the church before? Okay. Okay, good. That's a great question. Yeah. All right. It. Awesome. And then, Bubba, you had an Ask the Pastor? I do. Uh, I was uh, reading through the end of Isaiah um, in my reading this week, and I, I kind of strolled, uh, scrolled past Isaiah 58, where there's this, this language of... Um, God is is speaking through Isaiah about um, uh, Israel's fasting okay. um, and and what they're doing and um, what they think He would want and what He might actually want, and they seem to be contentious. And um, the the way that it's proposed of like what the fast is yep. and like how they're utilizing it is very different than anything I understood before. And so it, my ears perked up as I heard it and I was like, am I just am I looking at that wrong? Is there like a prophetical thing here that I'm not getting? Is there a cultural piece that I may not be understanding because I don't know the specifics of when Isaiah was talking to Israel within the words of 58 and stuff like that? So just wanted to ask about what you guys' thoughts were regarding the the. Scene Seemingly different kind of fast that the Lord is calling for. Okay. All right. Awesome. We'll pick that up. Uh, I, I do have a question, and maybe we can just start with this. I feel, uh, is there a, I feel like I don't care for people who name a ministry after themselves. Am I being... Name a ministry after themselves. Yeah. So, like, if, if you're a person who creates a, it's like the Ben Foost Ministries. Yeah. Ted oh. Johnson Ministries. And I think to myself, like, why, like, I don't like it. A lot, a lot of guys do that because if they end up in a different church, they want to be able to keep the copyright to their own stuff. So, so they tell oh, me. Oh man! But I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I don't. Yeah. You know, especially if it's a contentious separation, it's like we're going to erase all your stuff, and then, and it's, <laughs> you know, like, well, stop being silly toward yeah. each other. But, um, ah, man, I, 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 it might be bigger than that. But, but that's right. that's you know that that's what I've heard because I've I've thought the same thing. I'm like. Why would I want? Them? I mean, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. Why would why you I, care? I mean, so yeah, I, I guess maybe like I, I saw there's a I, I saw recently um, a, a cause that I thought, oh wow, I think this is a great cause. This is a great thing. I'm glad the people of Jesus are in on this thing and doing this thing. And then I kind of looked it up and researched a little bit, and there was a dude who does it, and uh, and you could contribute, but the the contributions were to this guy's name ministries. Mm-hmm. 
and I, it just left a bad taste in my mouth because I yeah. thought like so the, there's there's a practical consideration that Dan I think you highlighted, and then I thought or like it's it's a, it's self glorifying right yeah. But That's what all, I would think. Oh, yeah. There's also a side though of let's say you're a really popular preacher. I'm I'm Dan Smith, and yeah. everybody wants to you know. It's, Love it's, Dan Smith. It, well, is that a real good person? I don't know. I tried to make up a name. <laughs> I don't think yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> I mean, obviously they're two common names. Anyway, it's someone who everyone like has heard of. They want to like, oh yeah, we, I love this guy. But I don't know what church he's at. But I've heard of the name, and they're yeah. like, mm-hmm. they can Google the name, and find, but but I think you can get around that. But I think right. maybe. I'm being generous, thinking maybe they thought, well, if I name it after me, they'll find it quicker. That is more generous than what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's the Crowder Foundation. Yeah, I don't. Anyway, <laughs> I maybe it's not. Maybe there's there are legitimate reasons of which it's okay. I just it just my first gut was like, I don't know why you would want to put your name on it unless there was something that was self glorifying. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm open to practical reasons. Like, hey, when you like. It's your ministries, I guess, and then when you talk to people and you ask them to contribute, they they trust it because it's you. I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't like it, and uh, maybe it doesn't matter, but if you're a person who has a ministry and you want to formalize it as some sort of, like, your name ministries, just know that I don't like it. I think you should stop it. Yeah. You know, on the on the, the coattails of that statement, I want to let you guys know about my new ministry. Uh, it's the Troy Engeldinger ministry. And, Who's that? Uh, some guy. Okay. Some some dude you don't need to know. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. Mm. Okay. I don't know. Mike, does that get, do you, do you hate that? Does that not bother you? It doesn't hit you either way. I hate it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just hate it. Yeah. None of it makes any it sense. Feels like, it feels like I must increase. You didn't write any of the things you're saying. <laughs> or, I mean, or maybe like when I was, I don't know, 100 years ago on the radio was a guy, was it J. Vernon McGee oh, or yeah. something? I think he's yeah. still out there. And maybe you're like, as an old guy, I want to hear one of those sermons. Well, he died like 80 years ago. I don't know how long he died. <laughs> so you, you you type in his name, you'd probably find something. But you would anyway. Yes, you yeah. would find, our show is called Live from the Path. If you search Ben Foost or Dan Hudson, like you're going to come up with Live from the Path. We're like famous. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like internet famous. And so... Yeah, it just seems like whatever barriers are there, I, I, I'm okay with. It all sounds like the wrong posture. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're like, I, I, I gave this one awesome sermon one time. You did what now? Like, you sourced all the content from Jesus, hopefully. Second of all, you bathed it in prayer, hopefully. And third of all, like, it's it wasn't by, like, any movement or any greatness that had come out of it. If you're If you're posturing yourself in the right way. You're not going to attribute it to your own genius of the story of Jesus. You didn't write it. You didn't do any of the actions that that produced the greatness. Do you know what I'm saying? And so to, like, yeah. to save it in perpetuity and go, remember how this one time I retold a story of this awesome thing God did, and it was so cool. I just want to make sure that the money gets headed in the right direction. Yeah. That sounds bold. Monetize, Paul only ever put his name on stuff because it was a literal letter. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine John <laughs> writing down horrible. Revelation and going, like, that's John Baptizer Ministries or... That's, <laughs> That's John Patmos. John Ministries. John of Patmos Ministries. <laughs> yeah. If this gets accolades in the future, like, which I'm sure it would, like I just want to make sure the money goes to my family. You know what I'm saying? Like it just seems weird. Right. All of Tarsus LLC. And and think of that. Like so, even ever none of the New Testament books were titled. Like we gave them right titles because no it was the dude's name who wrote the letter. Yeah. Yeah, and like or the account as a normal letter would be. And you know we don't. Matthew doesn't write his name on his own gospel no. account. Like. It's our and, way of organizing. Right, we, we, we know that. We get it from church history. We recognize it by the things that he's saying. But, like, none of that is going, here's my account. The only person that does that is Luke. And that's because he's. it matters to the thing that he's trying to accomplish with right. both Luke and Acts. 
But like, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I was trying to, I was praying through it because again, I, I think it's a righteous ministry. This dude might be awesome, might totally love Jesus and the work that his ministry does. But like, it was enough that I was like significantly turned off by it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out if I, if I overreacted. I mean, we're in a different, like we're in a modern context, right? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago about like people's local congregations are not their only congregations. And we talked about focusing on like people that you can't really connect with and whether it should even be something that we are focused on at all, you know, but like once that realm carries over, then it does, do you become like a band or do you become like any other service industry where you're like, look, the money's going to exist either way. So either you can you can make sure it gets funneled in a direction that gets used appropriately. Like no matter what you do, your content is worth three million dollars. So you can you can either set it up to make sure that you're getting at least a million and a half of that, or if you just take your paltry fifty grand, we're just going to spread that three million out to other people. Yeah, you know, to like your agent or your lawyer or your whoever your your creative media director. So so I mean, it could be it could be one of those things if we're trying to look at it generously but overall it just seems really bold yeah like i even for like christian bands run into this too but like people who preach the <laughs> preach the gospel right it's the good news according to matthew like the the heading is the good news <laughs> like the thing that right. jesus did and so like you're not presenting it in a way that like if you're adding to it you've screwed it up if you've taken away from it you screwed it up if you if you give it to people the way that god presented it like with a worldly example so they can understand it better, then you did your job. Like, but anything more than that feels weird. Yeah, I agree. You know what? You know what I was thinking about a couple weeks ago? And Dan, I wonder if this is, I wonder if this is true in your, um, the stuff that you've been doing over the last few years uh, from a ministry perspective, is that like, I, I loathe the thought of asking people for money and trying yeah. to raise money and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, I, but if you find the right thing, then it feels like it just it, it completely flipped. It, like so, so, and I'm not even sure that this is an actual something that I'm doing yet or whatever. But like my my wife and daughter had gone on a um, on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, and one of the things that they got to talk about. My wife was a did birth work. It was a birth doula and stuff. And like women's like sex education is woefully inadequate. Um, like these, these ladies do not know, they don't understand their bodies, how they work uh, real well. And like things that you would kind of expect actually from like some, some, you know, third, third world countries where you feel like, well, actually they probably, because they do so much with so little that maybe they know this, but like, I think a combination of industrialization has brought in some, some, not the persistence of some like legacy wisdom here. And so, um, so sex education and stuff, specifically for ladies, but I mean, I think for fellas too. These are this is kind of a very um, patriarchal like society with a bunch of real lazy dudes. Yeah. Um, but then secondly, I thought like um, like one one of the things that would be great is if you had some kind of like midwives, like local midwives who like were in the area that could go serve these ladies and give them options and provide training and like. Again, I, this seems real odd as a fella, but like I, I, I'm very excited for this. This felt like awesome. Like it met a very clear need. It introduced people to ways of thinking about themselves properly. I, I feel like it's a it's a natural path to recognizing um, goodness about God in that area. And like I thought to myself when I was after my wife and I were kind of discussing things, and like I came up that midwife things then came to me. I thought, you know what, I would have no problem going and talking to people and saying this is this is important yeah. and 
uh, you've got money to give and it would go to a great thing. Like I wouldn't think twice about it. And so I thought about you, Dan, is that like, I think in a similar boat, but like for the stuff that you're doing, like, did that, did it feel like a switch? Like it felt like I have no problem going in and doing this type of thing. Yeah. 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 Cause we do things like here at the, at the local church that I, I'm like, okay, we need money for like carpet or whatever, you know? And I'm like, eh, you know, eh, I mean, I guess we do. Yeah. Uh, we, we're going to do some parking a lot, uh, renovations. And we're, at some point, we're going to need some money. We actually need some kitchen counters. So, you know, I mean, yeah. but, eh, I'm just not excited about it. But, uh, like, I go to the orphanage in Zimbabwe, and it's like these, these kids literally have no home. And, yeah. and, and so, like, last week, I was in San Diego, San Diego at a church saying, hey, we need money. Yeah. Uh, and and it's like, I wouldn't do that, you know. Right. I wouldn't do that for the Dan Hudson Ministries or, uh, right. you know, stuff like that. But, but I, yeah, it's, it is different. I've I've have all these contacts all over the country now, uh, raising money for a, a new truck for that because their twenty year, thirty year old vehicle broke down, you know, and, and yep. stuff like that. And it's like, okay, that's an actual tool there that, that they needed. Yep. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a different ball game when you're actually doing something more more on a bigger kingdom level than, yeah. than like we're helping our little ministry here and, and yeah maybe and I, I don't maybe i don't cautious about overcooking that as an indicator but it does feel to me like when the barrier thing that was a barrier to you before suddenly becomes something where you're like nope no problem here i would do it 50 times over i traveled like to the campuses i traveled to the whatevers yeah. because this is important and i feel strongly about it like it seems like a good indication that god is going yeah okay like this changed for a reason yeah um and there might be people you know, to you, to your example, who are super passionate about local ministry things, and then they don't actually have a problem doing it because that's the thing that God kind of mm-hmm. allowed them to not have a hesitance about. But anyway, I just, I had never done, I couldn't think of, like, uh, even when we were selling advertising for Life from the Path, I'm like, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to do this, yeah, do you? probably a mistake. <laughs> hey, Capana's Coffee. <laughs> right. Maybe but, the ministry thing is could be even uh, more of a protection, right? Like, because if you give it to a church... Churches are sometimes controlled by like elder boards and people who have separate agendas, right? And if your one agenda is to be like, hey, this is what we're going to do, yeah, right? Like it does cut out a lot of people, and there's a lot of risk in that, obviously. But but some folks could be setting it up as a, I don't know. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm stuck on this ministry <laughs> thing because they're not all. They can't all be like these, like beard twisters. You know what I'm saying? Like they can't all be sitting at their house twisting mustaches, going. Here's how I can defraud God's people to fund my my gold toilet. You know, like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that that can be true. But like, I I can see a good amount of people setting it up as like uh, for really good reasons, and other people set, setting it up to take advantage of you. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. I, I think that's right. And I think um, it's a, I don't know. I've stopped at the gas station on the way here, and for some reason, the thing that was playing over my mind across multiple situations was like. It's more nuanced than that. It's more nuanced than that. Like most people are not very like as clear as you want them to be in their motivations. Like they took – I don't know how – but Boov and I work in a corporate environment. Like successful companies, successful situations, and you would be flabbergasted at how many times people make decisions because of like one thing that they heard. And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's let's We're going to go with that. Yeah, let's do that. This seems great. <laughs> let's buy this thing. We heard somebody at a conference talk about it. And like, well, that's not a very good basis to do anything. But like, you know, a guy sets up, is it possible that dude goes, well, uh, everybody around me has, has done this. People who had the most impact on the world, they seem to be them as individuals. And so that's what they named the ministry. And like, I just, I just want to be impactful. 
And like they didn't even consider that there might be some dude like me who goes, "Ma, I hate that, and I won't give money anymore." You <laughs> like, self-aggrandizing boob. <laughs> it's right, mm. right. Or that that it would hit someone wrong. It, it obviously didn't hit them wrong. So I had, a, I had a guy years ago that he went to a worship conference, and like he came back and was telling me the story about how this worship leader, they're like he just seemed to love his own, his own music, like the the show was about him, you know, and he like he was really disappointed about the whole thing. And I thought, I bet that guy didn't even realize that, like, you felt that way. Mm. You know, like, he just was probably worshiping it up and just, like, he may played a guitar solo that, that seemed self-indulgent. I don't know where the line <laughs> is for Christianity on how much a guy can love his own guitar solo or not. But, like, he's like, yeah, it just felt like a show. And I'm like, well, but, I mean, that dude probably felt like he was just worshiping top top to tail and was giving it everything he's got. And, like, it was interpreted as... Uh, he just loves himself and like he wasn't there for God's work or whatever, you know? And so like, I always remember that story when I think that like, I got the tail of something that I understand what's what and who a guy is and what they're doing, you know? And I'm like, I just feel like that guy went home and like, if he had found out that you felt that way about his performance, he would be like devastated. He would be like, Oh man, I can't believe people took it in that way. That's horrible. (laughs) You know, that totally happened to me. Like not in a worship contest, but like, I thought I was doing something and trying to accomplish something in a certain way, and to find out that someone took it, took it in such a way that like made it feel like I was after my own ends or trying to go around or like something. Just I don't remember exactly what the circumstance was, but like I, you're right, I felt terrible, and it was not my intent at all. And like some of that, here's the thing: you never know how people are going to take something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, again, you may not have put 50 thoughts into it. You may have put three, and the thing that I'm offended about was thought 86, and so it didn't even occur to you. And so anyway, there's a, there's a grace in that. There's a grace in recognizing that, that uh, the, the, the fallibility is to presume that people had the worst motivation that you can think of to make the decision that they made. Sometimes that's the case. It actually isn't very often. Most of the time, they've, they've done something out of blindness or ignorance, not out of like evil intent. It's just been my experience, I guess. Um, actually, that worship thing you came up with, like, like you mentioned, uh, it was interesting. There was a uh, a question that someone asked uh, the lead singer of uh, Ren Collective, and they basically said, "Do you have any advice for a for a worship pastor, kind of getting into to being a worship pastor?" And I, I thought what he said was interesting, and it's it's relevant to kind of the thing you were talking about. He said, "The longer I do this, the less I feel like I understand what it is I'm doing as a worship leader." What a mystery it is that we engage with the belief that God meets us inside the vocal expression of our longings. What a bizarre thing to believe that any human is really leading that. Which should bring us to a place of astonishment and humility rather than grasping for attention. I actually don't have any problem with the idea of performing and enjoying the spotlight. I just think it doesn't belong in the context of worship. Be a rock star. Go for it. With God's blessing, but just don't make a spectacle of yourself in the sanctuary. Mr. Guitar Solo. Yeah. He goes, and I say that as someone who has made that mistake a thousand times. I've been hired to make that mistake. Worship isn't a place to fulfill musical ambitions. It's a place to relax in the presence of God and in the company of your church. Worshippers should hold on to amateur status for as long as possible. It's not a career. We've made it one somehow, but that's like setting up merch tables in the temple. It's at best a confusing compromise. If you want a career in music, play shows. That's what I do. I play shows, and I'm transparent about that. Sure, I bring my spirituality into those shows. They are worshipful at times, but it's not a worship service. You can tell because you bought a ticket. Worship is free and inclusive. (laughs) Uh, On a practical level, here's some tips that make a Sunday morning go more smoothly and allow you to be maximally helpful in your role. One, learn the words. Singing to a monitor isn't leading. It's karaoke. You need to be free to look around. Which leads to my next point. Keep your eyes open. Your job and eventually your skill is one of reading the room. Impossible with your eyes closed. 
This isn't your time of worship. It's your time to facilitate others. Stay tuned into your role as facilitator. The waiter doesn't sit down and feast at the restaurant. <laughs> it's about curating someone else's experience. Uh, concisely explain why the song you're singing might matter to the congregation. Give them an entry point. Think of saying something that fits over four bars of music. That'll stop it into turning into a boring mini-sermon. Righteous. Uh, project confidence. A mic stand is way too skinny to hide behind. Uh, have a game plan. Script anything that might need to be scripted. Spontaneity is not spirituality. More often, it's just laziness. Respect the stage you're on. If you have a script, you may want to deviate from time to time, but it's not the same as just going where the spirit leads you, which is just Christianese for being unprepared. Uh, this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but they are trustworthy guidelines. The last thing I'll say is this. Your value isn't tied up in this. God loves you at 100% capacity off the platform. He doesn't love you for your abilities or for your usefulness or for your holiness. He just loves you. So relax and enjoy it. It's fun to play music. That's solid. Yeah, it was solid. It was great. I thought it was great advice. So, like, does that not apply completely to Steve, whatever ministries? Like, if you want to be a motivational speaker, you should be that. You know what I'm saying? But, like, if you're going to go out there and and, and roll it under the guise of, like, money is necessary in this exchange for me— you know, to continue to do this, then I think you're you're probably you're in the head in the wrong direction. Yeah, and I think that this is one of the cautions I had with the with the guy I came across is that like I, the cause that he was leading sounded great, but the only way you could give money was to this dude's ministries, and I thought, well, like I actually don't know what that's going to like. Does that mean could it be anything like your flight expense to go do a conference in Indiana? Which I mean, here's the thing: it may be fine. That may actually be fine. It, like. People with skills um, who motivate crowds and draw people into good things, like, they have to – got to pay for the ticket. It's okay. But, like, it was nebulous enough and focused on this guy's name. I just – it was weird. That's why I've been thinking about it because I don't want to – I'm trying to make sure I'm not, like, overreacting. And, of course, like, I want to meet the man. I want to talk to him. I thought about having him on the show, actually. Maybe he won't come on anymore. (laughs) But, like – I just like it's it's too shallow to go. Oh, he's got his name in the ministry. I don't want to be a part of this. That's way too shallow. But like, I just it felt like it was interesting to think about how it might turn people off because it 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 did to me. It did to me. Okay, you're listening to live from the path. Hey, what turns you off about Buva? Five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. You can call or text. Uh, if it's sometimes the way that he draws faces on his hand and talks it like a hand puppet. If that turns you off, you should mention that. Uh, any other thing that he says or does that you feel like would humble him appropriately, and uh, you should uh, 515-517-0085. And I expect some some interactions here. Yeah. Like, there should be a long list. This is how you know people aren't listening to the program. Right. Yeah. If they take one look at me or listen to anything I've said over the last 13 years, absolutely sh- there should be things. Yes. Agreed. I'll know. Agreed. All right. Let's do... Um, I, let's hold the advice. Um, let's do the ask the pastor. Okay, sounds good. Um, so Isaiah uh, fifty-eight is fourteen verses. Do you want me just to read the small section, or you want me to read the whole chapter? No, uh, yeah, better take the whole chapter. All right, Isaiah fifty-eight. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they are a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your work 
workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Mm. Is such the fa- is this is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not is this excuse me is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the straps of the yoke to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless uh, poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or taking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. I love that. Yeah, it's refreshing. I, every time where, the, where you hear God say, "This is what I want," right? Yeah. Like, what a what a gift, man! What a real like refreshment to listen to that. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so, as I was as I was reading through this, and and I, I think I stopped it. So I, I first read it, and then I listened to it later on in the day because sometimes when I'm driving around, I like to listen to the stuff that I might have read earlier in the day just to kind of hear it as well. I guess mm-hmm. um, I I played that a couple of times because I was like, okay. It doesn't feel like a condemnation of the actions uh, of the concept of the fast, right? Of fasting, which had happened up to this point in the Old Testament. I think that there's still a place for that. It wasn't like abolishing the concept of of humbling yourself before God and all those things. I, I recognize that there was more to it from the perspective of these are words to a a rebellious Israel, right? Like of of the heart of how they're doing things and their reaction to God when he may not do things that they're expecting. But it just it 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 I didn't know how to reconcile with that fully from yep. the perspective of like does that mean that like is fasting also the the feeding the homeless and the and the stuff like that like it i just i didn't know how to to take in both things it's probably the best way to put it you want to start dan sure sure i i first of all i would i would caution you to not make this just a different list oh right i'm fasting by i'm gonna feed the homeless and clothe the poor right Mm -hmm. because because we do that you know right oh now i know i'm fasting this way okay although that's not a bad list right yeah but i think that's his whole point is is going from the fake, uh, the the, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Mailing it in, doing the stuff, and it all looks right, but my heart's wrong. You met, you mentioned heart. That was a good yeah, key yep, word yep, there. Right. 
I, I I don't really. I mean, I kind of believe what I'm doing, but whatever. I'm still cheating people. I'm not. I'm li- I'm living like a pagan. Yeah. And trying to look like you know I got my Jesus T-shirt on, and and he's like, yeah, go ahead and and like actually be a God person. Like like li- live how I want you to live as part of your sacrifice and, and, and fast. Like, I'm fasting. Okay, great. I'm, I'm holding things back for myself, but I'm also engaged in the life that God has called his people right. to, to be engaged in. Right. Because um, we can do the same thing. Like, I've seen, uh, you know, people check off their list of, of I've, I've prayed this and I've done that and I give my tithe and, and I've done whatever. You know, I'm wearing the, 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 the church name T-shirt and I'm out and I'm, you know, feeding a homeless person. Uh, but, uh, you know... I, I cheated my taxes and beat my wife and, yeah. and, and you know, yeah, you know whatever, all the stuff, you know. Yeah, right. Um, I, there's no specific person in mind when I say that. I'm just trying to make a generic uh, <laughs> list. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cheat on your taxes, <laughs> beat your wife. You know who I'm talking to. Sweet Moses. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, he's like, no, be just just be, in our context, really follow Jesus. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't care how many times you're fasting. If you're not even following me, you haven't repented. You haven't right. given your life to me. Right. What, don't quit faking it. Quit faking it. Yeah. That, that, that's what I. That's and it was interesting to hear that like that. There's expectations that Israel has of God after they've done these fasts. Like Lord, we did these fasts, yes. and you're yeah. not speaking to us. You owe us. Yeah. Now. Right. Exactly. I mean, like we did our part. We did our part. What? Yes. Exactly. Yep. We did our part. Like, where are you? Didn't. Kind of thing. Yeah. And I know that it, I know that Jesus Jesus deals with fasting too, and like uh-huh. the concept of making it a very outward. Expression and oh how holy am I in the streets kind of stuff. I didn't know if that was that was going on also here as well uh, because I know obviously there's many years between when Isaiah's prophecies are and when Jesus is around, right? Yeah. But like, is this is is it the same kind of thing? Well, that how many it, times have you heard a non-Christian say, "Well, I prayed, now I'm mad at God because he didn't answer"? It's like, well, you're not even a Christian, right? I mean, like, right. yeah, I get what you're there's saying. Yeah. Nothing in your life that says I'm a Jesus person. Why are you expecting him? Like, well, how about you get yourself right first? Yeah. And then we'll go back to the prayer. Well, yeah. And God in, the, in, the, in context, you're like the, so Isaiah, like, I mean, 30 through like 45 is God, one, breaking down the fact that Israel keeps running to Egypt and running to other powers for the, for yeah. their strength because they can't beat whatever battles are going on around them. Same with, um, there's, oh gosh, there's this beautiful depiction. Uh, and I say beautiful because it just gets me fired up, like almost end of Job style fired up, where God just it literally, and it really is, it's such a shaming of like, who do you think you are yeah. that you create idols from your own hands yeah. and then you bow to them and worship and you expect them to have power when I stand behind you and actually am power and I actually am the one who holds the snow like very much Job and Job stuff like I hold the snow I know where I drew the lines where the ocean stops yet you have the hubris to make something from wood and then call it your God. And it's like after those, then we've got this Israel that I I don't know if it's because it's timing wise or however Isaiah was 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 laid out to be chapter one to chapter sixty six. But like then you've got now where the Israel is is crying out to God saying, Where are you at in our affliction? And where are you at uh as our God, the God that gave us all these promises through uh Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now we sit here being like tossed aside on all ends and we fasted still and you're still not here kind of thing. Yeah. And it just it was just just holding all of that was interesting. I, I, yeah, so I think I think a key a key 
consideration is like th- this is not the only place of which something like that comes up. Right. Right. So like this is very much smells like Hosea when it says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. uh, and, and Jesus references the same yeah. thing when the they, we misunderstand the Sabbath, the Pharisees misunderstand the Sabbath. Yep. Um, and even think of of Peter talking about your your prayers being blocked because of how you're interacting with your with your spouse. Right. Yeah. There, so it's a common it's a common scriptural theme then that like God has given us these. Um, uh, I don't want to. They're, they're not they're not regular. They're, they're pictures of what it is to interact with Him. Yeah. Right. They're they're the, the the motion of sacrificing, the motion of praying. These are ways of which God has given to us to interact with Him. But He goes. I think is you're not buying audience with him by being righteous right but he is not willing to to like to basically allow you to think that you're going to boss him around and then misrepresent him to the world because that's this and actually it's interesting if every prophet every prophet in the old testament goes after israel and how they treat the poor every one of them interesting like and it's interesting because like christians are totally involved in like poor ministries like homeless ministries indigent ministries type of things um but even, there's modern posturing around how we think about um poverty and people's own place in it but i'll tell you this israel got beat up by god every time and it was always contextually um among other things right uh had to do with how they treated the poor because i think fundamentally what he's getting at is that like you are not like if you are a, a picture of me to the world. You were the kingdom of priests to represent me to the rest of the world. I am being misrepresented. What they see you doing is going through these, um, I don't even want to say elaborate um, uh, situations or whatever. What am I thinking? I'm looking- You're putting on the Egger suit from Men in Black. Yeah. Yes. Which now, but here's the thing is, is, is sacrifice good? Well, yes. Yeah. God asked for that. Is fasting good? Yes. Right. Like these are the right type of I don't know, ceremonies. I, I can't find the word that I want. They're the right types of things. But like, if you do that, like you're buying God's favor, he's saying, look, your role, like you're, you're focusing on, on God to you. Yep. God goes, I, you're here for everyone else around you. And so how you treat other people, matters that makes on sense. your interaction with God. And so like I it's it's the it's the thing that it's the thing that hits me and I think this is a western christian thing more so than I think it's everywhere else but like some of the posturing that people have of like hey I'm a good pious christian they're measuring I pray every day I read my bible every day and God is going did you look around you today? Right. Did you ignore the people who are less fortunate than you? The, all the things that are going on. Did you mistreat your family? Did you believe? Did you walk in arrogance when it came to how righteous and holy you believe yourself to be? And like we separate those things. We're like, well, I got the thing right that I'm supposed to get with God. I- I'm working on the people thing, and they're sinful anyway. But like, it is very clear that God looks out and He goes, "I'm not listening to you because you're not listening to me, and you're not listening to the people around you." So well, that was the fundamental promise, right? Like, I will be your God, you will be my people. Yes. And like you will be my people means a lot of things. Yeah. Yes. And it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect in it. God is still accepting the sac- like the sacrifice is a representation of your imperfection. Yeah, right. but he's not going to take on your arrogance. He's not going to exactly take right. on you spitting in his face, upholding none of the things that he's asked while you parade around and go, "I am a person of Yahweh." Give me the give me the 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 stuff that is due for the person of Yahweh. Both to the people around you and to Yahweh. Like, I am a person of yours. I, I expect this much. And God goes, hold on. The promise is I will be your God and you will be my people. 
and you're not even close. You're not even trying. Right. You're not even trying and failing. Like you're, and and to make it worse, you're posturing as if you are. You're rolling around as if you're nailing this thing, and you're trying to fool me with it. Yeah, it's it's interesting yeah. because you get this sense for like <laughs> they're doing these motions and they're saying, "God, okay, we did this. Where where are you?" And he's looking back down and going, "Where are you?" Like I have no people here. <laughs> right? right? Like what are right. you guys? You doing? were made to carry my name. Yes, yeah. and again, like this is like, we get we start to back away from this type of thing because we get worried that it feels like works based righteousness but like i want you to separate to a certain i don't even like how i'm going to say this but like we get so salvation focused that we forget what it looks like to live in the in the work that god has provided for us and what he's saying is is that like if part of the way that the world understands me is they see me in the things that you are doing bless your fallibilities and like your advertisement to the world is that i suck yeah and we're salvation focused because we're me focused Right? right, you know what I'm saying? Like we're worried about about me and, and where my, do I and, end up? And so, like God has has given a path to cover your screw ups, right? And you continue to go, well, what about this screw up, right? So then, once again, you're just back focused on yourself. And second of all, and then you try to hold God to account as if He is the one that's mistaken, as He sees past the fact that you like you're not even trying to take the path to repentance that He offered you. You just want to roll around and be like. I am a child of Yahweh. Give me the things I am due, O Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even an ep- – like it's not largely – there are like tangible tasks here, but like it's it's how you're positioning. Are you looking at the rest of the world in humility and going, whatever I may have, may I use it to God's effect in the world? Or like we mm-hmm. primarily saying like, God, I, I, I want you to rescue me. Now, it, to, in fairness to them – some of the things that they're posturing in Isaiah, like they are asking him from as a community thing, as a nation thing, will you step in? Yeah. We're in a real pinch yes. here. Uh, but but he's I think it was basically saying is like, I, I gave you I gave you a way to live that's that's righteous. And you're picking and choosing like you're choosing the stuff that serves you and you're ignoring the people around you. And so hard heartedness towards humanity like not looking at people with hope, not looking at people with mercy and gracious. I don't care what the circumstances is. I think it runs a risk of blocking the things that you believe are faithful interactions. He with says Yahweh. it does. Yes, mm-hmm. he says as much. Yeah. Well, what did what did Jesus say as he was preaching all around the region, uh, the kingdom? What did he? What, did, what was his invitation all the time, over and over again? Follow me, follow me, follow yeah. me. Right. I mean, well, I think we have a whole segment of the church who thinks follow me means to say, yeah, I believe in him, while we're sitting back eating grapes and really not <laughs> engaging in anything. Yeah. And and follow me. That's a big. That's a big thing. That, yeah, that's like it's an active. Trust status. me. Obey me. Believe yep. me. Literally follow me. You know. You do. You live kingdom. Yeah. And, and and that's what he's saying. I want you engaged in the kingdom. I don't, I don't want you just saying, yeah, I did that prayer. I did that fast. Now you owe me. That but but you know it's it's not a dollars and cents you know exchange. Right. I fast. You give. It's so, like no. I am because all, we're we're still in the deficit. Died if, to you. If it was a dollar and cents exchange, we'd still be in the hole. Right. There's. <laughs> Nothing you're going to offer that's going to get us up to square. I didn't eat for two days. Come on. <laughs> yeah, right. Aren't we set right yet? I realize that you salvationed the whole world, uh, but still, I feel like I offered up this fast, and then I told everybody I did the fast, and then I, I and then I did all the things that you'd asked me to, but like you didn't. Like it, I think yeah. it, it's a the reason I it keeps landing back on an arrogance thing for me because like you're literally trying to fool the Creator God into something that's not true. Like you can easily fool boobs around you that says, Hey, I am, I am the people of Yahweh. These are the things I'm doing. Look at my actions. And God goes, I don't know you. 
I don't even know you. I thought of that. That's when we had this conversation. I thought of the same thing where, where in that interaction with Jesus, say you're going to say Lord, Lord, and you say I did not know you. The posturing of a relationship that wasn't there, and it wasn't because they weren't going around doing the things that a public might go. Oh, well, that person must be religious. Look at him, say Lord, Lord. Look at he him. He has stand three on the tassels. Sticker. Look at him. He's got the tassels. This is what I'm saying. And so, like, yeah, I, that and that's that's devastating. That picture in Scripture is devastating. Mm-hmm. And but it's I think it's the same picture. Picture is the hey I fasted I I put the sackcloth on I I did all the prayers and I honored like their honoring of the Sabbath like they was doing it for their own benefit right. right and it's like oh like the outside the outside world would tell you that that you are religious but they wouldn't say that God is good based upon your religiousness and so that's focused on you again and so again mm-hmm. your life is a story about God to other people. Even in your fallibilities, because it's a story about God's goodness and his rescue for your fallibilities. But like what most people would take away from seeing this type of behavior is like, oh, well, they're super Christian. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's a good man right there. Yeah. Yes. Not, yeah. So Not that's a good God. Yes. And Mm -hmm. I I think this should be, this should be convicting in a way that recognizes like where we again we just have such a hard time and i think we, again i even here i want to have some some grace for it because i think it's difficult um it's difficult like we're finding oh man i finally got my own holy stuff down i'm praying like i'm supposed to i'm reading the scriptures and by the time you got all that done you didn't see another face <laughs> you were focused on your own personal stuff yeah. um and, and because you're just trying to keep your own ship in order and like god is is constantly he's just he's got the bigger angle than this and he's like you have to love people the way i do and you have to see them the way i do and you have to be gracious to them like i am uh, and you need my help to do it yeah you can't pull this off on your own right yeah. We're, we're concentrating on the scorecard, and God's saying, can we just go out and golf? Yes. You know, let's yeah. do it. Let's yes. hit the links, man. I covered all the salvation already. <laughs> right. You, and haven't see, you heard? The cross is enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's we joke about that, but that's so flippant true, man. Like, any big repentant moment in my life, that is exactly the exchange. Uh-huh. It has been this whole time where I'm, like, leading up to this point where I'm like, all right, fine, I'm giving up this thing that I've been holding on to for forever, and like I know that there's freedom on the other side of this, and it's and it's yours. Yeah. Like you are the only one who can do this. I'm not strong enough. I can't do it. And like I get like sick to my stomach thinking about like I can't I can't let this go. Like this is something I'm holding on to for so long. And the second I do, the Lord didn't make me like put my nose in the in the muck. He was just like, all right, good. I'm glad you're past that. Now, open your freaking eyes and see what I've been holding, like, see what you've been missing Mm -hmm. this entire time as you've been stuck in in the stuff that you've been running from me from when I've been sitting here with my hand held out to you this entire time going, look, son, like, this is what I have for you. Come in and buy it in me and no real freedom in real life. Yeah, yes. Because all the promises he made were actually true. Like, and he did make them. (laughs) Right. Right. Like, he makes all kinds of promises in the Old Testament, all kinds of promises to all the Israelites, like, and they are grandiose and they are all encompassing. And he's like, I will do this, and I will do this, and I will do this. Everything that they're asking for, he did promise them. Yep. But like, it's all based on the one promise, which is, I will be your God, and you will be my people. Right. And like, we don't show up to the meeting. We're like, uh, God owes me all these promises because it doesn't come out of his mouth. And like, it's contingent upon the one. It does work that way. Right. He says, I will be the God in this relationship. You will be the people. And I got all of the God angles covered. I just need you to show up. Yeah. 
That's funny. And it's he's so good that like in every one of those promises, if there is a downside to not doing it, he takes that on. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like he's the one who goes, all right, well, I'll be the one to take this curse because I know you're not good enough to do it without me. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right. All right. What an awesome, what an awesome, uh, yeah, I just, it was really, it it was really cool to read through that. And it was, I think it was exactly what I needed to hear. Like it was weird how my scripture reading has, has, has literally like perfectly lined up with some stuff that I needed Mm -hmm. to hear over the last couple weeks. Cause I started reading, uh, like every day reading my Bible for the first time in my life, maybe six months ago now, Mike, you probably remember close to that. Sounds right. Uh, and like. I think I've missed a day, and I don't say that for my own glory. Like, it's not that hard to read five chapters a day, so, like, stop, just do it. Yeah. But, like, it's so weird that I just arbitrarily chose, or what I thought was arbitrary, chose one scripture to start with, and I just started from there and haven't stopped since. And it's, like, lined up so perfectly with, like, a psalm I need to hear that I didn't know I needed to hear. I've read Psalm 22 every day for like three weeks straight when I originally started reading a psalm a day thinking I was going to move my way through the 150 <laughs> and then the Lord was like no 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 we're going to camp out here for a bit we're going to spend some time in 22 and and like I heard that every I just switched on to 23 as I moved into Jeremiah but like it's been it's been really cool to kind of like wake up and when I'm ready to read asking God like if this is what I'm supposed to read today let something hit me yeah. and if it's not let me move on but like I, I'm I'm earnestly reading my Bible in a way that I feel like it is me trying to get to know my father for the first that. time. I got some friends doing the same thing right now, and and they'll come every week like we're just reading like Ezekiel. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I've never read this uh, right, and then they were just all oh, their eyes are big, you know, and yeah, which is I love it. I mean, I I've I've that. been hit in the freaking face with Job, the end of Job, a couple times in my life, but like that was the real like punch in the face I needed. The rest of the stuff I've been like, okay, that's kind of cool, yeah. but this last time I've gone through it i'm just constantly like dude that's so cool and like we're worried or we're learning matthew at church and i'm like getting a chance to go through old testament is the same time as i'm going through and reading matthew and hearing from that as well it's just like dude this is this all but like there's a lot to this (laughs) like the lord did this really well (laughs) Mm -hmm. he really set out a really good set of like 66 books he did awesome so (laughs) yeah it's just been it's been really cool all right, you're listening live from the path. That was uh, asked the pastor. Hey, maybe you've got a question uh, that you would like us to tackle. You can hit us up on the old Bob Eisenhower live from the path complaint line. It's five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. That's uh, questions for the pastor and Boova's known fallibilities or uh, just guesses. You think I- I'm pretty sure he probably has the following shortcomings. That would be okay as well. I don't use toenail clippers. I how do you how do you get after? It? I like whip my hands. Oh. You rip off your toenails? I do. Oh. My wife hates it. Yes. So do I. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> okay. Well, that'll get you started on the things that you can tell that are my shortcomings. That's one of them. Like, boy, I can't look at you without thinking about it, to be honest. I'm going to look at Dan. <laughs> Probably a good idea, actually. I'm going to dream about that tonight. I'm sorry about that. Ooh. I don't know. I just, I don't know if I started it one day and never went back. I just rarely use toenail clippers. Don't answer that. You don't yeah. have to answer that. I don't want to, I don't need I'm anymore. I'm going to imagine it appropriately. I do not need to fill out the picture. <laughs> okay. All right. 515-517-0085. Okay. Let's, let's do some advice, but let's start with uh, the submitted uh, question to, right. uh, to Live from the Path. I got it. Okay. Random question, but I've recently started listening to your podcast. It's hilarious, and I really like Buva. He's great. Like, awesome. Nope. No, sorry. That'll sound um, right. It's hilarious, and I really like the advice part. Okay. However, I have a request for the advice part. 
I have multiple friends who have had bad experiences in church and are no longer church goers. How do I go about getting them back in the church? Mm. People have been hurt by the church. Yeah. They no longer show up. What do we have to say to somebody but wants to bring them back in? Yeah. So I, I guess the first thing I would say is I would I would maybe shift your goal a little bit. Um, I, it, it they it will happen. It will eventually happen. Um, but like people tend to blame infrastructure when they weren't really infra- – they tend to be relationship issues. Um, mm-hmm. But they but you tend to blame the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And so um, l- remove the infrastructure as, as part of the equation. Like how do you start getting them to reengage in their relationship with Jesus to see the value in community? I think you can do that personally to the extent that they're your friends. Like start – you know, and maybe you're doing this anyway. You're having people over for dinner and whatever, and then like invite them to say, "Hey, I'm I'm working through a study, or I'm gonna, was going to read through Ezekiel. Any chance you want to join me? You want to meet for coffee? You want to come over and have dinner with our family on Thursday night? Like, it, it's okay for your your front door to be the front door to God's community, and that's how I want you to think about church. the The goal isn't to get them into the building. The goal is is to help heal from things that they or generally like landed um, in, in in different areas, which may or may not have been accurate. Um, it's not likely the whole church offended them, to be honest. Um, and, and it may be that they, God let them down and they just can't bring themselves to say it, or that a particular set of relationships or leadership in the church got, they got burned, they got burned in them serving or whatever it is. And so um, let's take, just take some of that stuff out of the equation, because like when you're feeling um, when your, your relationship with God is feeling right and you're starting to trust Christians around you again, then you're better equipped to deal with the fallibilities of humans acting as a church just holistically and some of the complications that come from that. And so um, I, I think that would be the the place to start is, is don't feel like there's a need to make sure their body is in a specific place on a Sunday morning. They will get there and they should get there. I think it's valuable to be part of a local church community and necessary. Um, but like I, I don't feel like you're on a clock. For them, um, so I would say let the let your front door be the church's front door to best you can, and then take it from there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You're not you're not trying to connect them to a congregation. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, yep. you, you want to connect them with Jesus, and, and that that's 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 what saves. That's where salvation comes from. Yep. Yeah, it could be. A, yeah, one of a couple things. It could be like we just talked about with with uh, uh, the scripture you just read. With, with maybe they were they they were not engaged in a legitimate relationship with Jesus in the first place. They were attending a church. And and they were like, I'm fasting. Where's where's your part, God? Uh-huh, yeah. you, you know. And, and so there was a disappointment in God because he's like, Well, I yeah, I, right. I'd like you engage in me, you know, abide in me, as Jesus said. Uh, like we said earlier. Um, and and secondly, you know, I mean, it's not shocking to have a disappointment uh, in in with people. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, you re- read through. I was going to say the New Testament. Read through the entire Bible, and it's one after another disappointment with people. Uh-huh. Over and over again. Yeah, yeah, because we're people. Uh-huh. And, and we all know that. I mean, it's not shocking. I've disappointed many a people mm-hmm. uh, through my life, and, and they've disappointed me, and, and that's just called life. Uh, so somewhere in there, you've got to learn to have some grace with, with that. It is when when uh, people disappoint me, okay, you let it, you feel it, whatever, but then let it go. I, I mean, you can't you can't sit there and live in it, you know. Um, you... you, you you let them worry about that between them and God, and you can you make sure you're right with God, and and I think that's part of it. It's just building them in that relationship. I think everything I echo what Ben said in, in that, but um, yeah, I don't know if I can prove on that. Just just don't be so shocked. Don't don't let that be the thing that. 
keeps you away from God is people made me mad. They disappointed me. Therefore, they're all hypocrites. I'll never come back. It's like you can't control that. Yeah. And, and I don't think you have to. Um, I, I, I think to, to, to Dan, one of Dan's points is that like, I mean, they, they could have legitimately aggrieved you. They could have yeah, been offensive yeah. and harsh and terrible. Right, absolutely. Like, absolutely. But but because we do that kind of stuff. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. uh, but there there is not like a prescribed in like timeline of which you should be offended. There's not a particular set of like, well, here's the 10 things that have to happen for reconciliation to occur. Like that's all people stuff we made up that we felt like this would be how things would set right. But like your relationship with God is set right by a very aggressive act of grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the, yeah. the faster you can embrace the fact that you want to live in that way in reaction to other people again back to the discussion we just had like that starts to communicate jesus out and so like it's not harming the the person who harmed you um to to hold on to this longer um it's just mostly harming you and that's true for any relationship stuff and so yeah i I would agree with dan like um the, the more you start to see your relationship with jesus correctly you tend to be more gracious, more forgiving, um, and start to see some of those situations with the church in a, a, a better light. You expect humanness out of humans. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you see, and, and frankly, then it, there's a humility to that because then you start to see yourself in it and say, mm-hmm. boy, I, like, I probably wouldn't have chose that particularly sinful way to go after somebody, but like, I'm prone to others. Yeah. And so like, humility causes you to look at people differently. And frankly, I, that goes as we think about God calling his interaction with people around him. Like so we're so often become, I, I, I don't like the word judgmental because it implies that the only way to interact with people properly is to have no sense of judgment. That's not right at all. Mm-hmm. But like, it's how you think about the rendering of that situation. So like, can I look and go, dude, that guy totally put himself in this situation by abusing drugs and alcohol. That can be totally true, but how do what do I think about that? I said, well, I think that's rough, and like that that must have been a tough spot of which he started it. It must have been a tougher spot to right. decline in it. And boy, I don't know I even know how I would handle a world without hope like that without Jesus. And so you look at that person with hope and a level level of sympathy and an opportunity that they might yet see. Um, the blessing of being in relationship with God, as opposed to you put yourself there. I hope you deserve it. Right. I hope you, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it, we don't have to change the truth thing. You change how you react to the truth thing. Cause like the most nastiest truth thing about you, Jesus goes, yep, I saw that. And uh, I'd be willing to die for that and reconcile you back to me. And so like, th- anyway, that, that's what gets back to the thing is like, we don't have to smudge over it or act like people aren't nasty and that the church doesn't have its fallibilities but like again closer you walk with jesus the closer you get reminded that like people are people and it's good and bad um then you start to actually be able to move on from those situations in a way that's valuable to you and then ultimately beneficial to the kingdom okay i think that's right i feel like if if you're going to take out something like this um i would just be real cautious on making sure you're not allowing it to be like a airing of grievances every week you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to do a Bible study, like, I think you should do one and and focus on God and let that relationship do what it's going to do. Yeah. And, like, it, instead of, like, if you, it's only a caution, because if you walk in there knowing what their hang-ups are ahead of time, then you're going to end up focusing on them. And yeah. it's just the wrong focus point. That's all. Right? It's And it's just a caution that makes sure that, like, let's let's get our internal relationships and our relationships with, with Yahweh heading a direction. And then, like, if we want to mull over... You know, past grievances, they'll come up on their own, but like if right. if you let it be a, a crap on church fest, it'll stay there. Mm-hmm. It will never get past it. Time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Secular says or would say you should divorce your friends 
and go to therapy. <laughs> Call the police. <laughs> Call the police. <laughs> you know, actually, uh, it's, uh, this is, I think, keying off something that Mike said, is that also um, don't be cautious to don't take on this as like your personal mark of success. If whether they re-engage with the, the church or not, mm-hmm. um, like these are God's things to, to move. People do get the option to respond to how they want to. Like, again, I think you you do your very best. You recognize that, again, if you're if your front door is the front door to people engaging with God's community, make sure it's open. Intentionally make sure it's open. Actively engage it. Actively invite people through it. That's for everybody, not just the question asker. Um, but – but be cautious that like you don't want to follow a roller coaster of of oh okay I feel better about the church like oh I'm falling away from it like that that can tear you up um, and so look at people with hope when you when you look at people with hope and even as they go up and down you go well it's it's a real roller coaster you're on but I'm still hopeful and I think God can still do great things in you um, you then it doesn't throw your world off it, it just it's real disorienting to follow people around on their ups and downs especially when God's stuff is tied up with people's stuff. Um, it becomes hard to, to sort out. And so just um, uh, stay stay um, encouraged, um, even if this doesn't go like smooth sailing. It's, it's, it's bigger than – it's not your burden to carry. Um, hand it over to Jesus and let him, let him carry it. All right, ready? Okay, ready. Dear life from the path, I have lived in my apartment for nine years. When I moved in, I met a woman who moved in about the same time. We became friendly, and I enjoyed talking to her at the pool in the mailbox until I got to know her better. She has alienated all the other neighbors and kids in the complex with her attitude. She butts into conversations and asks personal questions, despite claiming to, quotes mind her business and keep to herself. Live from the path, I was raised to be forgiving and understanding. I have reached out to her and taken her to the store and medical appointments, but then she freaks out, swears, and demands that I speed up, take her to thrift stores, etc., she asks why I don't take the freeway instead of surface streets with traffic lights. I finally quit taking her places, but now she has started walking to my apartment, sitting down, and asking me questions. She also gets mad when she sees I went to the store without her. How do I politely but firmly tell her to leave me alone, and I no longer want to have anything to do with her? She makes me anxious and drives me crazy. I understand she's lonely, but she's a miserable person to be around. Signed doormat. It sounds like you already know what to say. <laughs> See, you've got it all planned out. You just got to pull the trigger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you hard should, to say it out loud. But you, you should have asked not how to. do I politely but firmly tell her to leave me alone. Rip you that say, bandaid off. When do I tell her to politely and firmly leave me alone? Yeah. Okay. So, th- so this is interesting because I think um, someone could say, "Well, aren't those things contentious? The things that you just said earlier have hope for people." <laughs> And have your boat front door open. And now look, someone could say that, Ben. Look at this. Look at Come the complaint line. <laughs> look at this difficult person. And so, um, how do we reconcile those two pieces of advice? Uh, you, first of all, you got to, this is difficult. It's a skill, not a talent. You got to figure out how to be all those things gracious and full of hope without being tied to everyday interactions as if they are moving the needle significant ways, mm-hmm. right? So, like, uh, you can be open to taking her to the store, um, and she can be mad about you not taking her to the store, and that has to somehow be okay with you. Uh, you can set – I mean, like, once they become in a way uh, that you need to set up a boundary, and, like, yeah. I just feel like you just need to be clear. 
Yeah. Just very clear. Like, hey, I'll be available on Thursday. That's right. We, I, you know, I can take you to the store and to the medical appointment. We're gonna, just for a heads up. We're going to roll the the freeway, and uh, we're going to probably get there in a route you're not okay with. But like, when we go out, I'm going to expect a certain level of behavior. And, and I'll get uh, you there on time. Yeah, and if that's not going to work for you, <laughs> like it's the same way you present it to your kids as they yeah. start to get older, right? Like, just give them all the facts. I know that you have an issue with the way that I drive. But that's how we get places. So if that if that's going to work for you, then I'd love to take you. If it's not, then you'll probably have to find another ride. You like you just continually keep yes, putting right. things in their court, yeah. right? Like the decision is yours. These are the th- these are all the conditions, and the condition sounds harsh, but like these are all the the ways in which I would love to be able to help you. These are the things that are going to stop that from working. Yeah. Now let me know if that works for you or not. And there you were polite and you were firm. And, like, either they'll back out on their own because they're like, you don't tell me what to do. You don't tell me how to act. They'll leave on their own if they can't meet those conditions. Yep. Or they'll screw them up and say, look, uh, we had a hard time meeting the conditions today. I feel like we're going to take a couple weeks off and maybe we'll try her again. Yeah, I think that goes uh, – I think we've given this same type of advice multiple times. But I, the, the key here is that, like, one, figure out how to be unoffendable. Like, right. you just don't have to take personally what outrageous people think. Uh, and, and then two, just pull some of the emotion out of it. Like uh, you don't have to carry a torch for a right reconciliation of all all the stuff. Somebody said something offensive to me. Well, since you can control whether you're going to be offended, go, hey, well, that was an offensive thing you said. I'm not offended, but it was offensive what you said. <laughs> like, that's OK. Uh, and, and I think Mike's right. You set clear. You kind of set clear boundaries, clear terms. Don't like when when. People are outraged. As long as you don't agree to follow outrageous people down an outrageous path, then you tend to be able to handle the situations much more objectively. Yeah, I, and I, as far as the last problem where they're like coming into your house and like sitting down asking you questions, like this is just weird that you tolerate this anyway, right? Like I, obviously they don't have any social affair with doing this, and so like, have you ever not said like either lock your door so they can't just roll into your apartment or be like, look. uh, you got to knock uh, before you come in here. Uh, will that work for you? Because people coming into my house that don't knock is not allowed. So let me know how that works for you. Let's try and knock next time. And next time we don't knock, we're just going to have to say, look, you can't come in here until you like to use the knocking. Yeah. So it is um, – this gets back, to, I think, to the thing that you – one of the things you alluded to up at the beginning, which is that like not everything applies or has to come to full bear on every situation that exists. So again, you don't have to. People can't just give you one option to help them. You you get to explore all the various options that might exist. Uh, Sometimes, like you need to be open and gracious and kind and inviting. And then some people disqualify themselves. You're not the right person anymore. You you have to be like that to the rest of the world until they disqualify themselves. And I don't mean disqualify like I only help good people. I mean sometimes you just are not the right person that is going to actually progress this person's life in any way or another. And so. If you pray on it, and then if God makes it clear, like, hey, I'm not – this burden isn't on you. You don't have to chase this person down. It's not your responsibility. I'll, so I'll pass it to someone else, or they don't want it, then you're you're absolved. You don't have to keep beating down the same door all the time. There's legit holy peace to that, and you're going to feel like there isn't, but there definitely is. Yep. Like, there's peace to saying – like, the the number one issue is letting them decide terms – of of your entire relationship, right? Like if you don't take me to the store when I ask, you don't love me. If you don't drive the freeway instead of the traffic lights, you don't love me. Blah, 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 blah. All these things. And like none of those, they're patently lies. Those aren't true at all. I do love you, but like I'm not going to love you in that way. That's not going to happen, right? So 
you can't anybody who tries to start dictating to you a one singular route like basically do what I ask you to do or our relationship is in shambles. Your relationship's already in shambles. Yeah. And so like set boundaries that you can say, I would love to be in relationship with you, but this this is the way that this is going to be able to work. And make sure you're not being a jerk about it. You know, like you're not setting terms just to push them away, but like they'll push, the, They I just tell you, they're going to push themselves away because they, they're not used to not getting their way. They're not used to you not jumping right when you say you will do it this way. Otherwise you don't love me. And you go, well, I do love you. What you said wasn't true, but I can only make the store on Thursdays. That's when I go. So let me know if you would like to join me. And then that's it. And be and like it's it's a straightforward exchange of of ideas and the way things are going to work. It's not an emotionally charged event. Okay, you want secular advice? Secular hold on, hold on. B- Buva, did you have? Are you trying to figure out whether you uh, have contention? I'm just trying to figure out what I want to voice, and I don't think it's anything right now. How about now? Oh, sweet Moses. Uh, oh, fine. Um, <laughs> How about now? So, to, to, to speak on the other side of that, if we think that doing all of this stuff sounds like you might be being a doormat for this person who is a total pain in the butt and downright just ridiculous in most of their interactions, it sounds like. If you eliminate the concept of the doormat and just go, I'm unoffendable and my joy is in the Lord every day. And I get to be in an opportunity where a person that is flat out unlovable in a lot of situations, I just get to help them out. Whether that's being a person that listens to them gripe as they walk in my door or a person that takes them to the store. And even though they bicker and want me to be on the freeway, I still take the roads that have stoplights, but we make it. And they'll bicker, but they'll make it, make it to their medical appointments. They get to the store, all this different stuff. You take any chance of you getting offended out of there because it's just, it's just not what you care about. Like, it doesn't matter what they say. You're still there, right? Is the advice the same or is it possible just to be like, I'm going to stick in it and I'm going to keep doing it just to be with this person. I'm not a doormat because I, I took away their possibility of stepping on me because I couldn't be stepped on. I was just there and just kept doing it. And even if it feels like I did it for 10 years and I didn't see a needle move, doesn't mean it didn't. And flat out being there for people that are unlovable, like is an awesome thing. And like even those little things, they they add up to people. And even if they don't, it's not on you to be counting counting the, the score. Like you're just there. Uh Yes, I one I I don't know I don't know that the question is around whether you're a doormat or not. Did we did sorry did we say that he signed it? Oh 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 okay that guy signed it. Okay, um, but I, I think the answer is it could be. I think it could be true either way. I don't think I think it is wrong to prescribe that the only faithful way to respond to it is to stay in a situation yeah. like that. Just like I think it would be wrong to prescribe that the that um, you should always bail from it. Agreed. Yeah. So I, I think they are both viable paths. Um, I, the, the key question that I think you're preying on is, is, is there uh, – well, one, like you, you'll have peace one way or the other. Like you're praying for like which right. one of these things yeah. feels right. So like I think to your point, you should be open to the fact that, yes, you just – you're in on that thing. But I, I wouldn't say like we, we shouldn't def- – I don't know that I would even default to that. I think that's a prayer, prayerful question, 
Um, and like one of the things is, is that like the presumption in, in your the thing that you said is that like it is always helpful. I'm not sure that that's true. I'm not sure that that's true, that it's always helpful um, by that you're to stick in that relationship. It also paints you as an extremely one dimensional person, like as if you have no other relationships in your life. Right. People that take up that kind of bandwidth like the, you have to take it from somewhere. So if you have it to give, then I suppose right. it's not that big of a deal. Right. But like. Um, those situations don't change after you get married and after you have kids and after you have any other type of reasonable responsibilities. And so, like, you have to start pulling time and effort away from other good things in your life and then and saying this one gets carte blanche. And, like, basically you end up – it ends up sucking up any other good things you could have possibly have done with your days and promises that you've made other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair too. Which I think that goes back to the path, the, the the path of of prayer, which is if that's where God wants your effort, then it is. Yeah, yeah. Then you're then you're in on it. Um, but if if it's very possible, like I don't I don't know that you have to do that. Uh, if that person actually could just be a straight up distraction to you, like they're just soaking up your time and effort. Well, and there there's also a perspective of like you may not have to be the only person who does it, like. If you want to get together, a couple people go, hey, man, there's a person at my apartment complex that just sucks. And they're like the neediest person I've ever met in my entire life. And they're constantly needing crap. Can we just figure out a, a thing where we've got a couple people that when that person needs to go somewhere, we get them there? Like that way it's not all on one person. Start an apartment, carpool. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah, sort. like yeah. there may be more people that need that. I mean, yeah. I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fair. I'm not saying you have to go it. straight yeah. to creating a John Boova ministry. I'm just saying like <laughs> you could just phone a friend and be like, hey, yeah. I have to go to the to the, to the the store with, with Jamie and she sucks. Uh, will you come with me? <laughs> yeah, I, I do think so. I, I, again, I, th- I think this is a, a like have to pray on this type of thing because, like, it also is not true that God looks at the world and goes, um, "There is no, there is no consequence, earthly consequence to the things that people do." If you let your right. like an oxen go tear up someone's field, then you got to pay for yeah. it, right? And so God does not look go look. My people are ungracious because there's a there's a crabby lady in her apartment who bites people on the way to the doctor's office, and like she needs to get there, and so you go and get bit. Because she has to get there. Like, it's okay to say to someone, look, you can't ride in here if you can bite people. Yeah. It's not wrong. It's not unfaithful. It's not unloving. That's that's not right. Like, right. There is – I can't find the, the right word I want, so I'm going to say the probably the worst connotation would. But, like, coddling in situations like that is not necessarily equitable yeah. to love. Because the truth of the matter is, like, in its harshest terms, she could walk to the store. It's going to take her six hours. Right. But like she has created barriers along every corner that could have drove her there. Right. So like her attitude has made it so the most viable option for her is to walk there. And but she refuses. Right. Like someone owes me a ride. Someone like I guess what I'm saying is, is like I think we're available for generous things. But like there are certain paths that people have to walk through. Like Israel's been the same way. Like there are some times where you have to feel the consequences of the things you've done before you you ever even consider that they might need to change. And so like it is a prayerful loving thought to make sure that you're not celebrating and allowing uh, allowing poor behavior to continue merely because you want to err on the side of being generous. Where actually the loving thing to do is to allow those consequences to bear out a little. Yeah, and I do and I think the risk and this gets more to I think what what Boo was talking about is like we do tend to 
I think, draw the line too shallow on how far our generosity should extend. That's probably right. I think, I think you probably need to take where – this is the same reason why Jesus has to walk the earth. Our, his notion of forgiveness is like a million times farther than most of us would default. We're like, I don't really have to do 70 times 7. This is like 7 would be too much for me. And so to see Jesus do it, wherever you think is like, boy, I cannot take it anymore, I'm guessing the line is probably beyond that. But his, it also comes with his invitation to be his people and like an yep. invitation to good things, right? So like he doesn't say, follow me, by the way, you can rob the Samaritan while we're on our journey. He's like, you're going to follow me and then you're going to do good things as you follow me. And yeah. like your actions are going to match your words. And so like the hard part is, is trying to think that you're putting yourself in a way to teach people how to do life. But like that is exactly like what we're trying to do. We're trying to teach people about who God is and what life looks like following underneath him. And so there is, the, I think we're trying to hedge against the risk of pulling our generosity because people are annoying. All people are annoying, right? But like given the same tactic, like the amount of bandwidth, it sounds like this gal might be taken up. Like just because you helped one homeless person doesn't need mean you need to go home and then feel bad for the other 1,500 that you didn't do anything for today. Right, like you're you're almost being like like our generosity should be unlimited, as if that's a possibility. And like you only have so much, you're a human, right? You only have so much bandwidth to do those things. You know what I'm saying? And that's where the prayer thing comes in and goes. Just help me to see these lines correctly. Help me to see where I'm helping more than I'm hurting. Help me to help to show me where I'm loving, opposed to just the easiest thing to do is to take her and get yelled at. Or the loving thing to do would be to sit her down and go, listen, I would really enjoy these car rides if you weren't yelling at me the whole time. So let's figure out how to be in good relationship, not just a relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Secular says. Yep. Uh, if you know someone will walk into your apartment uninvited, for heaven's sakes, lock your door. If this neighbor rings the bell or knocks, tell her you are busy and cannot entertain her and shut the door. If she corners you and rants about you having gone to the store without her, tell her in plain English why you stopped doing it. That said, I think it would be more hurtful than helpful to point out the other reasons she has made herself a social pariah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. Like, it just seems like you owe, if you actually want to love her well, you're not losing anything by not having a reasonable conversation. Yeah. Yeah, again, I, I... I think there's a caution in like allowing people to be the worst version of themselves is not this is not loving to them. Uh, being a judgmental turd is not loving to them either. And so, but like those aren't the only two options. Available. No, but the output of your mouth might sound exactly the same. Oh, sure. They, yeah, they might take it uh, again. This is where I get to uh, the, the intent of your heart. Like I'm here to help. You're cautious. You're praying through it. And like sometimes people just take that so poorly. Uh, and there, there isn't much you can do about it except for recognize that it's like if, if they took your good intent as something terrible, like there's all kinds of filters that that went through that made them react the way that they did. And so you need to be double gracious about it. That's when you like when you tried to do a good thing. I know this like it happens in my marriage. I think I nailed something. I did think for the best possible reason. I thought I did a great job and my wife did not either notice or appreciate it. I'm like double offended. Because I actually was thoughtful this time, and I thought I was going to get it right. And like, but that is the place to like double down on not being offended. It's like, oh man, I wanted this to go well, and it did not. How could I have said this differently? Right? You're saying like, if you can take the offense out of it, um, and look at this person graciously, and go, even that was met with animosity. 
I'm doubling down on the prayer and on the, you know, trying not to be offended in this type of thing. But I just, it's, there, there is a, there's a notion, and I think this is uncomfortable. I think this is uncomfortable with the way Jesus talks about, this was, we just talking about this, like as the way that he talks about the Sabbath, the way that he talks about all kinds of things from an Old Testament perspective, he looks at the laws and goes, look, the, the God's direction are a combination of principle and wisdom. And you and you're you got to be cautious. Like where you went to tr- try to protect the principle, you completely threw wisdom out the window. You were going to try to set me up and and call me out because I was going to heal a guy with a withered hand when you would drag the sheep out. Like you fought for the principle and ignored the fact that God provides wisdom as that extrapolates into the world. And so I, I get it. That feels squidgy, but like God did not write laws that cover every circumstance or situation or direction like he said here's the principle of the thing and then you come to me for wisdom and jesus is like the walking capital w wisdom out into the world and so like i i the, the biggest caution here probably is to say that this is the thing you have to do or this is the thing you you don't do like i'm not they're not that it's not that easy um because the, the people's situations are different the circumstances that you're walking in are different and so you need to pray for wisdom that's what you're praying for lord this is the thing i think i got a rough guide but like the lines are blurry to me can you give me wisdom in here that's totally a righteous thing to pray on yeah all right you want to do one more one more dear life from the path i have been happily married for 30 years since my wife recently retired her crossword hobby has become an obsession <laughs> she does them all day whether we are watching tv talking or eating meals when we go out, she carries crossword puzzles to do or does them on her phone. When our kids visit, she ignores them and does crossword puzzles. During the last holiday celebrations, she sat staring at her phone crosswords instead of participating in family interactions. <laughs> if she were my child, I would take away her phone. But she's an adult and my wife, so I can't do that. Before she retired, she did crossword puzzles two or three times a week, and we had fun doing them together. Now I'm completely ignored. I've talked to her about my feelings. It didn't help, so I'm hoping to get some good advice from you. Mm, it's tricky because he's talked to her. Uh, I was question, right. The question is what he said and how he said it. Yeah. Exactly what I was thinking too. <laughs> Debbie, I'm tired of these dang crosswords. Yeah, they're making me cross. You used to love me. Um, if you were my child, I'd take away your phone. He, he has Signed not considered the fact that maybe he annoys her with his presence. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's an issue that that. Couples that get into retirement, you know, that they've spent decades apart from each other. You know, I'm terrified just, of that. I know, and all of a sudden it's like you're just here all the time. <laughs> I've not, I've not experienced that, but I've heard pe- people have told me that is the first adjustment. Yeah. The wife then. is like, "You're just here. Can you leave?" <laughs> yeah, you know, and so she escapes into crossword puzzles. Yeah, uh, probably too much. Say, it I'm, sounds like weirdly she escapes when she's in normal conversations with him, and most of her daily life <laughs> is in the crosswords. <laughs> Ah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm still, at the same time, I think, man, if that's your problem, praise God. Here's what you should do. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you, you should go to the local dollar store, okay? They always have this weird section that has the giant crossword books in them. Ooh. Like, they're huge. Like, hundreds of pages of crosswords. There you go. And for, like, a buck fifty, okay? You're going to buy three or four of those, and you're going to spend a couple weeks, you're going to do all of them. You're going to complete every single one of those crosswords. You're going to gift them up, wrap them up, hand them to her, and she's going to open up and see all these crosswords and be super excited and be like, oh my gosh, he loves me and he wants me to do what I love. And then she's going to start flipping through those pages and see that all the crosswords are done. And then you will have been very vindictive 
and passive aggressive. And I was going to say, this better. sounds like very terrible advice. I agree. You will feel better. <laughs> what the heck is going on? You will feel better on the other side of that and go, <laughs> damn it. That's what I think of your cross. So I, I would – so like there's a couple of things I think considerations. The first one is – is did we get a sense for how long this she's been retired? Three years, I thought. It doesn't say. It oh, didn't I thought say. you said three years ago okay. she did retire. I mean it could be that like um, – you know, she's just getting used to it. You know, if there was a free, she used yeah. to like to do crosswords and now like, uh, all the time okay, in the world. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Every once in a while, my wife goes out of town. It's very rare. I'm generally out of town. Uh, she stays home every, every once in a while, like every three or four years, she might go out of town and I binge cereal. There's never good cereal in my house. And when am I good cereal? I mean, the good sugary cereal you used to eat as a kid or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's never at my place. We get these bland looking cereals that we picked up at the Trader Joe's. It's not good. And so, I mean, the moment she's out the door, I'm out to head into the store and buying the crappiest, junkiest cereal, and I eat it like a mad fiend. I'm swimming in it. I'm dumping it on my head. I'm taking selfies with it. It's fantastic, okay? Because because there's a freedom in there. <laughs> I feel like I've not been able to live fully. And here's the thing. About about three days later, I'm like, oh, this is, I'm glad my wife takes better care of me than I take care of myself. I feel like crap. I should not have eaten three boxes of cereal. Cookie crisp is not to be taken in for four meals in a row. And so I learned my lesson and then I no longer do that. But like in those first three days, it feels so good and so righteous to have indulged in something that I don't really get to do fully. And so I, I submit to you that depending on how long this has been, it's very possible that she just does not know what to do with the freedom and so is overcranking on yeah. these crosswords. Yeah. The second thing, though, is, is that like there has to be something more compelling. I'm I, like she's I get it. She's got the my uh, she's myopic on these crosswords. And so are you telling me there's nothing that will take her away from this kind of thing? Did you offer up to, hey, maybe we should do some dance lessons? Hey, there's a movie happening in the park. Like there have got to be some things that pull her head up from what she's doing and start to reengage her in the rest of the world. And like it is not your burden like you stink as a husband if you don't do this. But it is you helping her from looking so myopically at the world by putting some effort in trying to, to drag her out of it. And so that would be my recommendation is woo her away from the crosswords. I mean, it's still pretty rough that her kids can't even do it. Yeah, yeah. Like the kids show up and she's still on the crosswords. Now, let me ask this. Is it possible that she has terrible kids because yes. she's actually not a good person? Yeah. I think it's likely. Yeah. So that could be. Not just possible. Okay, I, I stayed last weekend with a, a couple, an older couple. He's 90, she's 76. Wait, Moses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Dan. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Wait, why do you say it like that? Why, how how did dare that... you take advantage of the old people? Yeah, how did that come about? Hey, I just need a place to stay. Let me find a couple of I, raisins I went to, to San Diego with. to speak at their church, and they said, you can stay at our house. Okay. There are people in hotel. San Diego over the age of 32? What? That's crazy to me. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dan. Tell your old people's story. Anyway, <laughs> she had a stroke a few years ago, oh. and the doctor oh. said, and she's fine now, but she has some memory lapses once in a while. Everything else is fine. But the doctor said, keep your mind busy. And so yeah. she has a board. Like, every time I saw her, every time she sat down, she grabbed a board, put it up, and was physically playing a hand solitaire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she she never stopped. Oh. And she would have conversation while she was doing it, and she was engaged. But she, and she, and because she, she was just trying to keep her mind active, right. and her hands and her everything. And I thought, okay, I mean, oh. yeah. So maybe there's a physical thing. Maybe it's like she wants to hold off dementia. Maybe that's an interesting angle. Is that like, if, because like at the day when you go to retire, 
Like yeah. there is a finality that like I've moved into a stage of life yeah. of which certain things start to occur. And, and an like if, right, if you're worried about that oncoming like keeping your mind engaged. That's what they say. Keep it. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. And so maybe she. I just think that's helped. what she's doing. She just went a little overboard. Yeah. But. but uh, yeah. That's let, a, let, let her even that out a little bit. I wonder if secular thinks she's staving off dementia. Mm, I feel like he's over exaggerating. That she's not in it all the time. Yeah. You think he's sexually deprived? Yeah. And he blames the crosswords. Well, mostly because he sounds well, at least like attention it's, deprived. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wonder if, like, most she's actually, you know, it's happening two or three times a day. But it's when he's at his uh, excited, most excited, and so he's like, she's ignored me. But maybe she don't want to do anything to do with him because he stinks. He's got bad breath. Yeah, all and he's day. ungrateful. She does them all day, whether we are watching TV, talking, or eating meals. Like, it sounds like they're he needs to go away. Like he needs to get out of the house some. And like you wouldn't notice. Yeah, he's there all day too. Yeah, <laughs> staring true. at her. Yeah, he's surveilling. Get out like, of my space. Some I'm, kind of surveillance. If I do times. this crossword, he'll leave. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And I it can, hasn't worked yet. I, it is interesting. Like the burden of which, like you, you retire and you're not working, and your kids are out of the house, and it almost feels like you're getting to hey, entertain me. Yeah, like what? Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> I bet she go pick up my socks. <laughs> she's an introverted person who recharges by herself. Yep, and because he is around all the time. She is just constantly drained and then like has no recharge time. He just, yeah. he needs to try going He needs away. a hobby. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. That kind of guy, if he was working his whole career, you didn't notice it because he got his like extrovert loving the people time when he was out and now he's, he's at home. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Take the burden off some of your wife. Uh, I think actually all the things, put all the things about it. It's okay to woo her. It's okay. Uh, I don't know if you're not getting the attention you want from, uh, from her. That's fine. Uh, you introduced that angle. That wasn't in here. I think it's totally true. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Secular says, talk to your wife again. Tell her you no longer are willing to be ignored while she indulges in her obsession with crossword puzzles. Yeah, be aggressive. What she's doing is unfair to you and the family. Suggest the two of you consult a licensed marriage and family therapist. There it is. If she refuses, schedule some sessions for yourself. From what you have described, your marriage is in trouble and your wife is using her crossword no, puzzles it's not. to escape from the real world. <laughs> oh, come on. Can you imagine being that therapist? Yeah. She never stops doing crossword puzzles. Stop it. <laughs> I've told her it hurts my feelings. <laughs> she's the not pop. there for when I'm you feeling heard. frisky. <laughs> oh, that's uh, terrible advice. That's terrible advice. You don't, okay, why is it bad advice? What? It went extreme pretty quick. <laughs> it, it was all to the way to the floor. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it did. That yeah. escalated. Because it, you're probably not a world-class communicator, mm-hmm. and you probably didn't do the best job ever of letting her know that your needs, while also considering her needs as a person, you probably yeah. just went, you're affronting me, and here's all the ways that I feel, blah, 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 I'm upset. Yeah. This and is a in lazy no dude. Way, and yes. in no way went, I can totally understand why with this change in your life that like at one point in time, this is something you were able to do scarcely and enjoyed it so much, and now you're able to do it yeah. so much, and you're still finding enjoyment at that. I can completely yeah. understand wanting to fill your time with things that you love. If you get that kind of consideration, the person then goes, oh, they have considered me, and now I can feel fine considering their thoughts as well. I, uh, Crazy so how communication yeah, can work. And not to like overly pat ourselves on the belly here, but like I feel like one of the values in how we talked about this is there are multiple options as yeah. to why she might be reacting it this way. It's possible that pe- like when people tend to tell their side of the story, 
it's not the entire truth, even if they're not trying to be misleading. It just is limited by their angle yeah. and tainted by some of their presumptions that exist in there. And so, like, it's again, it's not nefarious. It's just how people act. Yeah. And so recognizing that you don't start with your marriage is in trouble. We like, well, how do we get actually the right lay of the land? Let's start there. And then let's presume to, to a conversation we started the show with is that things are Always more nuanced than what you think. Mm-hmm. Once you start pre- presuming people's motivations and then acting on those motivations, they do become self-fulfilling. Um, you start seeing everything through that lens. You start reacting in that way. You're going to end up divorced in five years, not because you should be, but because you made a presumption and didn't handle it well. And that's just the path that you decided to get on and then hook her on it and drag her down the rain. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, that's terrible advice. And if you've been married this long, how many how many like paradigm shifts have you gone through in your marriage? Right. Like you, you dated at one point in time and mm. then that switched and your expectations were probably different from each other's when you became engaged. Same as when you became married, same as when you first had kids, same as when your kids became teenagers. There's so many different like shifts in your life that you've had to navigate to be able to be bickering about crossword puzzles in your sixties or whatever. Yeah. Right? Like part of this communication is being, emotionally intelligent enough to know hey babe I know something our lives are about to shift you're about to retire we're about to be so close to each other at all times what kind of expectations do you have what do you think our day to day is going to look like and she would have said I can't stand you so I think I'm going to be doing crossword puzzles all day every day and he might have been I think I'm looking forward to the time we're going to spend together even if it's just watching TV and having dinner being close to each other and sharing those expectations it's crazy how you can get on the same page before the friggin shift happens Happens. Well, yeah that that would have been that would have been a game changer if he would have said, mm-hmm. "Hey, why are you doing all these crosswords all the time?" and then provided us the answer. What did she say? And right, she had yes. the freedom to answer honestly right. without feeling like being belittled. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. not. I'm we'll not berating you for making a choice. <laughs> I'm trying to understand the choice that you've made. Yeah. 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 yeah, Ben, why did you eat all that cereal while I blame gone? him? <laughs> right? Is there this weird FOMO that you have where you feel yes. like you're being you're being you know held back? Yes. and not allowed to enjoy yourself I'm all the grown, time. I'm a grown man. I just want to eat cereal. I just want to eat cereal because it makes me feel blah, or I like yeah. this Free. about it. Blah 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 blah. I'm this like man a, is lazy. Can we can we yeah. work into our normal day to day that Ben gets a freedom choice every once That's in a while? Right. Where it's like, hey babe, I hate the Trader Joe's granola. Every once in a while, is it okay if I get the little pack? I'm gonna live loops? like a wild bronco. When I'm gonna eat this cereal, <laughs> just let me be me. What's your marital? What's your marital cheat meal? Actually, here's the thing: like, at its core, most marriages struggle with unmet expectations because Absolutely. they were unarticulated. Yep. Yeah. And and exactly. not and not po- and even when articulated, not positively or humbly received. Mm-hmm. The ninety percent, no joke. There's there's legit things to argue about within those expectations. But most people don't even get past that spot right there. Nope. Right. All right. You let me down. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It, what, it's what an attack. The, one, of the, one of the best things that I've realized in almost three years of marriage, like I suck at it, but like there's one thing that we have both tried to, to hold true is wait, if there's an argument or an affront or someone is hurt, like – if my wife, if I say something to my wife that that sounded harsher than I meant to, or vice versa, we both look at each other and go, "Okay, there's no scenario in which that person was trying their hardest to be the most hurtful thing they could possibly be." 
Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not how it goes. Like, I'm not married to someone who is trying to viciously attack my heart, nor am I trying to do hers. And so if I took it in in a way that's like, oh, that was vicious and a spit in my face, I'd take a step back and go, well, I know that woman, mm-hmm. and I know her heart, and I know there's no chance in the world that that's what she was trying to do with that. And so I'm going to take that with a spoon, and or the spoon of medicine, whatever, and go, okay, what it sounded like you said was this, but I know that's not true, so let's just move past that and go, okay, what did you mean? Like, where did that come from? Let's be honest and open and willing to go, I don't understand what you mean, and I'm willing to be dumb enough to ask you to tell me. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're listening live from the path. Thanks for hanging out with us this week. We very much appreciate it. If you got any feedback for us on the show, uh, you hate it, you love it, uh, you'd like to share it with your friends, but you're slightly embarrassed. All these things are known. You can uh, give us a call or text on the live from the path. Bob Eisler, Compate Line, 515-517-0085. That's call or text, 515-517-0085. And uh, I, will, uh, I, I don't know what next week. We're supposed to have uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Is that right, Buva? Yes. Okay, Buva booked him. He's going to be on, um, I don't know, Buva Handle. I don't even know who these people are. He's, he's getting the guests. Uh, anyway, we'll talk to you next time. In the meantime, be faithful to the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Back.